everybody, welcome to the latest episode of our Mainline Podcast. We are joined by Northern Provisions again. This podcast, along with all of our other podcasts, are part of Northern Provisions LLC. Check out the Legal Minds Journal. That's a veteran and active duty publication focusing on foreign and military affairs, art, and culture. Take a look at the journal's bulletin from the Borderlands. That's a bi-weekly foreign affairs publication from multiple talented intelligence analysts and independent journalists. Head over to legalmindsjournal.substack.com or Instagram at legal.minds.journal to see more. Please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash analyzeeducate, or you can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash analyzeeducate. All the support you guys give us brings us that much closer to being able to do this full time, and we really appreciate all that support. A couple things coming around the corner. We got another news podcast that is coming probably early Monday morning. Also just sat down with Sinotalk again, and we're going to have a podcast out with him talking about some China-related issues. And then this week, I'm sitting down with John from the Defense Bulletin. We're going to do a war report talking about the Ukrainian counteroffensive and also this bizarre situation that happened over the weekend with the Wagner Group in the Russian Ministry of Defense. So keep an eye out for all those. We'll head into the podcast. Okay, we are back. Myself and Northern Provisions, we got another podcast going on. And before we get into like the main topic that we're going to talk about today, we actually have an update for the last podcast that we did. How's it going, man? It's good, brother. I appreciate you having me back. For those of you who tuned in last time, uh, we discussed quite a bit about Hunter Biden, Ukraine, his role in Burisma um essentially these you know hot topic documents from the fbi that may or may not point to five million dollar um bribery deal with president biden talked about a lot with hunter biden and although we have a main topic like uh analyze just said we're gonna get into a little update that has just happened regarding hunter biden um which is Hunter Biden essentially getting off with a misdemeanor, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, regarding his crimes. And I think they, uh, I think if I remember correctly, they dropped the gun charge, right? So they didn't drop the gun charge, but, and this still has to get approved by a judge, right? So it's only like tentative right now, but basically what the the U.S. attorney for Delaware, David Weiss, is trying to give him for the gun charge is like this diversionary, like 15-month program that apparently they say they give to um, like addicts and stuff like that, you know, whether it be like alcoholics or, or drug addicts or whatever. So they have to go through like this 15-month diversionary program. And at the same time, he uh, gets two years of probation. And then at the completion of both the program and his two-year probation, the charge would be dropped from his record pretty much if that gets approved. Outstanding. So in other words, justice has been served. Um, this is exactly the type of treatment that any American, any average American would get. We know that's the case. Uh, if you look at the effects of you know Joe Biden's um, was it 1993 crime bill, right? Yeah, 94 crime bill. 94 crime bill, that's right. Yeah. Um, the Everyone gets this kind of treatment. Um, and if you think otherwise, you're a bigot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the maximum, I don't know what the maximum penalty is for the the tax evasion stuff, but I know the maximum penalty for the gun charge is 10 years. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, if you if you plead guilty, like even if you're a common person and you plead guilty and don't, you know, like waste the government's time going through a trial and all that stuff, like you're not going to get the full 10 years, but you're definitely not getting like a diversionary program, like in a couple of years of probation, you're you're spending a, at least a a bit in prison, right? Yeah. More likely than not. For those of you, this is uh, this is a joke, by the way. But for those of you who want to 
for legal purposes, this is a joke. But for those of you who want to commit um, felonies, just become a crack addict first, and then you can get these kinds of like diversionary uh, deals. That way, you can just kind of bypass the legal system. Like, well, I'm a drug addict, so um, that's why I should get a softer charge because I'm addicted to, you know, crack. So, just food for thought. If you guys want to commit felonies out there. Yeah, the whole the gun charge thing is is very interesting because it really came about. We talked about this in the last one, but it came about because he basically like lied on uh, one of the federal background check forms that you use to buy handgun. Right? There's a question asking if you're like currently addicted to, um, you know, narcotics or controlled substances, things of that sort, and he checked no, but then he went around and in his memoir he said that during that time he was addicted to crack cocaine at right. the same time he bought this firearm right and there was something else about the the woman that he was with at the time his girlfriend found the gun and like threw it in the trash yes in the trash can across the street from an elementary school yes and it was yes. apparently it was found it, it was like the trash can for some like business I, I can't remember if it was a restaurant or what but yeah, she threw this thing in the trash can and then it was found maybe a couple days later. And I guess some secret service agents tried to like rummage through this business's trash can to find yes. a gun, but yes, yes, they didn't yes. have a warrant. So the business owner wouldn't let them. Yeah, it's That's a very good. odd sequence of events for sure. Yeah. Can you imagine like running a deli and like you just like go out back to have a smoke, you know, at lunch break and, and there's like secret service agents just like rummaging through your trash can looking for a gun from the president's son. Yeah, not well, never been, like, friends, for sure. Yeah. And then um and then for the the tax stuff as well, I think the the deal that he's basically trying to get a judge to agree to would be Damn, what was it? Actually, I forgot. I forgot what the penalty for that was. Do you remember? I don't. I know honestly. it was it was two misdemeanors. They weren't felonies. Um damn it. Let me look it up actually, because I had it I had it written down somewhere. Um, but so uh it allows Biden to plead guilty to two misdemeanor tax crimes. I don't it doesn't really Okay, so so the maximum penalty for both those charges would be uh, twelve months in prison each, right? But um, he, you know, he's obviously not going to get the maximum because he's he's pleading guilty and he's trying to get a judge to sign on this deal. Uh, and basically, what the the deal with this is in twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, apparently he didn't pay any income tax at all. So oh, he, good at the time he owed the IRS. Uh, over two hundred thousand dollars. I that was paid back to the IRS at some point. Um, but yeah, that's it's basically how these charges came about. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, this is um, I mean, this this is really good stuff because this is from, you know, the son of the guy that put like thousands of black people away for committing crimes that his son did. Um, and you know, wants to be hard on guns and get guns off the street and gun reform and gun, 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 gun. Yet, you know, his son gets a, gets off from a felony. And, um, you know, I just, it, like, here's the reality, man. We, we, we both know that if this was any of the Trumps, they'd be facing max, they'd be facing max charges. Like, with, without question, uh, they'd be, they'd be facing max charges. And, um, like we talked about a little bit before we before we started recording, you know these all these media outlets are already shilling for this dude so hard. And um, but this okay. one right here, you know, did Hunter Biden get off easy? We asked the experts, right? And we already we already talked about this. this. This is a way of dismissing an argument without actually having to bring any sort of like factual data, which is just oh well, you know, we asked the experts. So the the experts said this uh you know what that means is it means as much as you want it to mean really um but it really just means they're gonna find someone in in, in the judicial world that's gonna 
have an opinion that kind of matches like the narrative they want to spin and they're going to like post it in an article and be like, yeah, I mean, uh, that's what the experts said. Um, yeah, I, I never really like those type of arguments because it's like, okay, well, who are these experts, right? What, what are they experts in exactly? And right. how many, how many experts are there in this field? You know, cause let's say for all intents and purposes, you have a hundred experts in, in, one specific field and you ask i don't know like 22 of them what they think on a on a given issue well what do the other you know 78 have to say <laughs> right you know i mean experts experts in any given field like they have differing opinions right they, they're not going to be a monolith so right. i i don't know i never like those kind of arguments just because i i feel like they're lazy they're super lazy, but they work, especially especially in a, in a you know the 2020 to present uh, era. Like they they work so well because this is just like a card they pull all the time. Like oh well, the experts. Oh, okay, well I'm not I'm not an expert, so I guess I don't know what I'm talking about, right? Um, it's just a way of completely dismissing people's arguments, and and then it and then it's a way to make you feel stupid if you question anything because it's like oh like wow you're you're going against the experts. Um, Clearly, you're just like not educated enough. So it's just a way to kind of make people feel stupid if they disagree with it and also just dismiss any sort of argument to begin with. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And looking at this thing that's going on with Hunter Biden, I mean, this is coming. This is coming right after, you know, Trump was indicted, obviously, on those federal charges as well. And yeah. It's I mean, no matter no matter what the actual facts are of, um, you know, what what Hunter did and the deal he's getting and, and the reasons he's getting those deals or that deal, I should say, um, whatever the facts are regarding all those things like this is. This is not going to look great in in the eyes of, of many people, many Americans, right? It's a, it's not a good look. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely not. Um, and it's it's going to, you know, I, I just think and we've talked about this so many times and we both said this, like we're not we're not like a condemnation of one is not condoning the other. Right. Or an endorsement of the other. And we're not sitting here saying, hey, Donald Trump is like, you know, king, savior of lost America at all. But we can criticize him while criticizing both parties. But at the same time, like there is. Just to, honestly, there is an overwhelming double standard right now in the judicial world, and that's really going to like mess with people's emotions and feelings and also how they view these institutions. Right. You can't you can't of sober and sound mind go out and say, well, you just need to, you know, have trust and faith in these, quote unquote, respected institutions. But then these institutions make decisions that are extremely biased, um, that they're that extremely you know, kind of contradictory to some of the things they say and do for other people. And they go, well, you just have to trust them in, in, in full faith, you know? Um, yeah. And it's even, it's even, you know, maybe, um, maybe in actuality, they aren't biased. I mean, I tend, I tend to think they are, but let's say whatever, for the sake of the argument, let's say that they actually aren't biased. They at least give that impression and that in itself is an issue, right? Obviously we live in a time in this country where i mean both sides are at each other's throats we could all see that right political polarization in this in this country is at levels um that are like incredibly high maybe even you know haven't been seen since the civil war maybe it's it's a huge issue and even the appearance of this sort of bias in our judicial system is an issue in itself and when you're going about these investigations with high level figures, whether it be former presidents or, or whether it be the sons of presidents, whatever, you really got to look at a cost benefit analysis, right? Hey, this person did break the law, you know, but is it really worth throwing the book at them? Should they be punished? Yeah, sure, whatever. But how far do we want to take this? Because you're setting a precedent, right? You know, with with Trump and again, I think maybe maybe we should get together sometime and do a podcast on that because I'm sure there's there's a lot um, we both have to say. But it's like 
you you really got to think is it worth throwing the book at this guy because this is this is what it's going to be like for every president after <clears throat> he's already he's already said that if he wins in 24 he's going after biden right <laughs> and maybe he doesn't win in 24 right but i i think this will set a precedent regardless i think every president basically from biden on is going to have to deal with with these sorts of investigations as well. Yeah, it's um <clears throat> and it's certainly going to make the opposition even more fueled, right? So like you said like I I'm you know, I'm going to be honest, I'm not confident that Donald Trump is going to win in 24, but if he did, like you can expect fire and fury from him, you know, honestly probably overkill against the Bidens and yeah. um it's just it's just going to be this like tit for tat, you know, cat and mouse game of like, you know, let's just let's just keep pushing the extremes and extremes. Um, I don't know, dude. But uh, anyways, all of you guys can, you know, rest assured that justice has been served. And, um, you know, you guys can rest assured that you will get the similar treatment that Hunter Biden did if you go out and commit the same crimes. I'm, I'm assured of this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um. I think that's pretty much I got on on that subject. Uh, unless you have anything else, I think we can move on to what we really want to talk about today. Uh, no, I think that's it, man. Let's just roll right into it. Um, <clears throat> this is going to be a good topic. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have probably been wanting uh, wanting to hear about this, and this is a a very touchy topic. So. It is, yeah. I'm gonna. I think we're both gonna try and refrain from, you know, sort of giving speculation and our opinions, um, and really just try and give you guys the facts and and what witnesses have attested to. Right. It it is like you said a very touchy topic. So I kind of want to just be careful where we take this and really just give you guys all the relevant information without inserting our opinions into it and so what we're talking about today is we're talking about uh, basically this incident that happened in new york uh the death of jordan neely um and the guy that killed him uh daniel penny has been charged with killing him and we'll talk about I guess first, just who these who these two people are, just to give you guys an idea of what's going on. So Jordan Neely was a thirty year old uh, black homeless man, and the reason I bring that up is because since Jordan Neely was black and the man who was accused of killing him, uh, Daniel Penny, is white, this has been turned into a racial issue, right? So that's why I have to bring it up. Uh, Neely was, uh, he's a Michael Jackson impersonator when he was in his 20s. Um, according to his aunt, he developed depression, PTSD, and schizophrenia after his mom was murdered by her boyfriend when uh, Jordan was nine, or not 19, sorry, he was 14 years old at the time. And after this happened, he was placed in foster care. And from 2019 until he died, uh, he was on New York City's roster that was informally known as the top 50, and that's for homeless individuals that are in most need of care and assistance, according to like city outreach workers. In 2015, Neely was sentenced to four months in jail after he uh, dragged a seven-year-old girl down the street. In 2021, he punched a 67-year-old woman in the face after she exited the subway. He broke her orbital bone. He was sentenced to a 15-month alternative to incarceration program in 2023. Uh, he's basically sentenced to a treatment facility. He abandoned that facility after only 13 days. And until the time of his death, he had an active warrant for his arrest out because he left that facility early. From 2020, I'm sorry, from 2013 to 2021, he was arrested 42 times. Those allegations include things such as multiple instances of assault, transit fraud, and criminal trespassing. And in this April, he was uh, came across by a community outreach worker 
and that worker noted that he appeared aggressive, incoherent, and, quote, could be a harm to others or himself if left untreated. Now, who is Daniel? Oh, sorry. No, 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 you're, you're, you're good. I just, um, just, just kind of like right off the bat here, it, I really, you know, arrested 42 times, um, with, I believe it was like four total assaults. Um, I believe so. Yeah. You really just got to ask like, what the fuck was this dude doing on the street? Um, obviously he had like mental issues and I think there was like some drug addiction, maybe, don't quote me on that, but there's definitely like the mental health issues that are, they're well-documented, right? The depression, PTSD, schizophrenia, but um, maybe some substance abuse. But the point is like, I, I'm not like, you know, pissing on this dude for what he did, but it's like, how does someone get arrested 42 times and you're still just like roaming the streets um, amongst the public? I, I like, I'm not saying, you know, throw them in like, you know, Rikers or something like that, um, since he is that mentally ill, but there's like nowhere that, that, that New York could put this dude that where he's just kind of like getting the treatment he needs and like, but also kind of serving time for the, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is just kind of crazy. Yeah. This is one thing that like authorities in New York have been criticized a lot for. I mean, particularly this Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, he's, he's the one that's charging Penny and that name may be familiar to you guys because that's also the one that um, investigated Trump and basically had him indicted by a grand jury in Manhattan as well earlier this year. That's why it may sound familiar to you. But, you know, this guy in particular, he's been criticized a lot. Um, you know, people who are critical of him say that he's soft on crime. Basically, he'll, um, you know, release people on their own recognizance, you know, without paying bail, um, he'll, you know, try and push for uh, inappropriately low uh, sentences when they're convicted, um, th those sorts of things, right? And I mean, yeah, when you got, when you have a guy that's been arrested 42 times in, what, eight years, um, yeah, I don't know. That's not uh, not a great look for sure. That's crazy. It's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not not a great look. It's that's fucking insane. Um, and I and I mean, if if what his aunt is saying is true, right? I mean, this guy experienced like a horrific event when he was fourteen, right? I'm sure that changed his life. Um, you know, apparently after his mom was killed, they like she was found in like luggage. I think yeah um yeah. Her, her body was found like stuffed somewhere and I'm sure like that changed the course of his life like I I can't even imagine but you know every everybody everybody talks about getting help to people um that have just like these like life altering, like mental health, you know, I don't know if you want to call them like disorders or like crises or, or what, whatever word you want to use for it. It's like, okay, what are you guys actually doing to help? Because you talk about it, right? right. Oh, well, we sentenced him to a 15 month, uh, you know, treatment facility program instead of putting him in jail or prison. And it's like, okay, well, he was able to leave after not even two weeks. So right. what exactly were you guys doing there? Uh, to roll into the next part, you know, Sergeant Daniel Penny is the other individual part of this incident. Um, Sergeant Penny is a white 24-year-old college student and uh, Marine veteran who served from 2017 to 2021 as an 0311 rifleman, squad leader, and water survival instructor. Uh, he was honorably discharged as a sergeant, and during his time in service, he deployed with the 22nd Mew uh, to the Mediterranean. So to kind of put you guys in, in you know, the incident, um, the two of these gentlemen, both Neely and Penny, were on the Manhattan F train on May 1st, and 
Um, I'm sure a lot of you guys know it. It there was an incident that occurred that resulted in uh, Mr. Neely's death, <clears throat> and um, essentially what happened is that uh, you know, and this is coming from from multiple witnesses who claimed that you know Neely came on, uh, was immediately shouting in, in passengers' faces. He was he was acting very aggressive. Uh, he took his uh, I believe I recall a, a witness saying he took his jacket off at some point and was kind of like stripping his clothes, kind of like in, in a manner that someone might do, like if they're about to fight someone. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was mentioning that he was like ready to die. He didn't care if he went to prison. Uh, he threatened, um, I think like at least one person, right, said that he threatened to, to kill someone mm-hmm. or kill multiple people. And um, long story short, uh, Sergeant Penny then came up from behind, uh, put him in a rear chokehold. Um, he was, he helped, uh, there's another individual, and this is important, there's another uh, black man, actually, who helped uh, Penny out in, ter- in bringing him to the ground. So the two kind of subdued Neely. And, and the reason why it's important that it was a black man is because immediately after this happened, it was made into a racial issue. So it quickly became, oh, you know, a white man, especially, you know, white Marine, um, essentially executing a unhoused black man on the train. That's really just kind of what it turned into. And it's an important detail to know that there was a black man directly helping Penny in subduing him. Um, had him in a chokehold. They were trying to restrain him for about 15 minutes. Uh, Neely went limp, and um, both Penny and the other individual, the other black man, assumed that he had uh, been knocked out. And there is video footage from a different angle. I don't know if it was from the same uh, independent journalist, so it was Juan, Juan Vasquez, but there was another video that showed essentially when he goes limp, and you see uh, you see Penny and the other guy immediately back off. And everyone kind of thinks he just passed out, right? And you can you can even hear other passengers, um, other you know people of color, not like white men, uh, saying like, "Oh, he's fine. Like, don't even worry about it." You know, like he's just gonna he'll wake up. Like everyone's very kind of like on the same level when it comes to this incident, you know. And lo and behold, uh, Mr. Neely is essentially you know uh, defecated on himself. And he he died. Um, that's why he went limp. He he didn't pass out. He died after being in that uh, chokehold. And now, um, I guess my my argument to to this is, and actually, I think it's there's another important note. Penny immediately started telling everyone to call nine one one as he like started trying to subdue Neely. So. They say it's a chokehold, and I guess like legally or like technically it is, but there is some form of you can't like be in a chokehold for like fifteen minutes if they're not truly trying to kill you. You know what I'm saying? Like if if you're in a proper chokehold and they're actually trying to make you pass out, you'd be out like very quickly. Yeah, I think uh, not Neely. I'm sorry, Penny came out. I think like within the past week or so and said, you know, he disputed that it was a chokehold. He said, you know, he put him in a submission hold, um, which is not the same. Right. Cause I think in a submission hold, you're trying to cut off blood flow and basically put them to sleep instead of cut off airflow. I, I'm not like an expert by any means, but I believe that's like the distinction between the two. Um, yeah, it was actually kind of interesting that he he came out in that video about a week ago because, you know, the general wisdom is, you know, if you're charged with a crime, if you're a lawyer, you tell your client, like, shut up, like, do not say anything. Don't say anything right, on right. social media. Like, don't tell your friends anything. Like, do not do not talk about the incident yeah. at all, you know, except in in certain circumstances. So, um, you know, obviously his lawyers had him come out and basically do that video and explain the incident. So they must have good reason for doing that. Cause again, that kind of goes against the, the general wisdom. 
of telling your client to shut his mouth. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I did see that too. And I remember thinking at the time, like, wow, that's pretty bold of him to come out that way. Um, but and it, and it seemed like the reason, the reason he may have been doing that is just trying to, um, I mean, when in the court of public opinion, right. Right. Um, he, he made sure to, you know, mention that distinction between the submission hold and the choke hold. He actually also disputed uh, the timeline of the event because a lot of people, particularly those that, that want to see him convicted, have been saying that he had his hand around Neely's neck for 15 minutes. Um, it's not clear, like, exactly how long this, like, entire interaction took from, like, Neely getting on the train to... Uh, you know, basically when first responders showed up, but uh, NYPD says that they first got a call about the incident at 2.25 p.m. Uh, they arrived on scene before 2.30 and began administering first aid. Uh, fire department arrived at 2.46 and then he was transported to the hospital where he was pronounced dead there. Um, and then Penny in that same video came out and said, oh, you know, everybody's saying that I have my hands around his neck for 15 minutes. That's not true because this whole incident happened in between stops and, you know, it's only if, about a few minutes in between stops. So this whole interaction probably took place no longer than five minutes. Right. Yeah. Um. So again, I that's something that's going to come out at trial. Obviously, I'm sure the timeline is going to be a big issue too. Um. And then once that happens, we'll know for sure exactly what what the timeline of events is. Yeah, so there's definitely some discrepancies in, in what was, you know, the official narrative versus what maybe, you know, Sergeant Penny's saying. Um, and uh, so it, it, there was also a third gentleman that I think was was somewhat helping Penny and the other the other man. But he, uh, they, so all three of them, if I remember correctly, all three of them went to I guess the police station to fill out a statement after this, um, you know, obviously all, all of them, you know, walked free after filling out the statement uh, due mm -hmm. to the, you know, we have to have an actual investigation. And um, what has occurred after that was really a firestorm. Uh, people, you know, immediately made it a racial issue. Um you know, there, there's they, they, his his Marine Corps history was brought up a lot. So they're like, I mean, I literally saw headlines that were like, you know, Marine Corps training killed, uh, whatever. Like, is the Marine Corps training too too like whatever, bro? If any of you have ever done McMap, you know it is not that serious. Um, yeah, yeah. For you those know who don't know what that is, that's the Marine Corps martial arts program like everybody does it at least like at some level you get like started on it in boot camp and then there's like multiple belts you could go up to and stuff but like they tell you um like when you especially like first start doing mcmap like they tell you you know just enough to get your ass kicked <laughs> it's yeah. like you you think you could fight but yeah it's not it's not happening at least not at the beginning level no, no way. Not even, not even really until like, you're not really, excuse me, using, like learning a lot of, I mean, it's just the problem is like most of it does not relate into most practical situations. Yeah. Um, it's like more, it's more hazing than anything. Honestly, you spend like, you spend more time like running around and you yeah. know, like your body armor and doing jumping jacks and stuff like that. You do martial arts. Yeah. So that was my experience. I don't know. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, it's 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 combat conditioning, really. And I mean, a lot a lot of that stuff is not going to be like really useful until you're in like the the later brown and black and even instructor phases. Mm -hmm. Um, so this this overhype and overemphasis, like oh the the marine training and oh my god and yeah, I mean, I know all y'all who are like marine veterans who, who out there like you're you're laughing at this literally because it is a joke. Um, you you know that it's just not it's it's just not that serious. Um, but you know, that was brought into play. His race obviously was brought into play. Um, I mean, the guy has blonde hair, like he's so fucked, you know, he's so fucked. Um, 
that was kind of that was kind of it. I think um, you know, if I'm being honest, the thing the thing that kind of frustrated me was and like I'll I'll say this, you know, you, you can certainly give me your opinion on it. I think you know, he definitely should be tried for murder. Um it was clear that like it wasn't intentional. He was not intentionally trying to murder him. Um you know, like negligent manslaughter would probably be like a more reasonable charge for for the circumstances and situation. You know, Jordan Neely did die. Um that that is like it kind of, you know, undeniable and that at the hands of, you know, Sergeant Penny. So I think probably like criminal I'm you know, I'm not familiar with like all the <clears throat> legal punishments, but something along the lines of like criminal manslaughter or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, but, so I, I can't remember what basically what Bragg initially charged him with, but the the grand jury that indicted him actually did indict him on second degree manslaughter so that is uh, basically doing a, a reckless action that creates or contributes to a condition that that causes somebody to die pretty right. much yeah so i don't necessarily think i mean you know we'll see we'll see what happens in court you know um but i'll say this man like seeing seeing the reaction to it I, i'm sorry like what what are like so many people were that was that was the new buzz the buzz thing right the buzz topic the the outrage culture topic was literally unhoused mentally ill black men uh was like everywhere like you you everywhere you looked was was unhoused mentally ill black man what about unhoused mentally ill black men and it's just to, to you know to be honest like it's just virtue signaling bullshit because most of these people who are who were so after this happened they were so venomous they were so militant so so outrageously righteously frustrated with like the majority of these people truly do not give a fuck they're just saying this because it's the new hot topic because it's the new thing to like complain about and cry about but you know i'd be willing to bet that, that a lot of these people who were so outraged and 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 you know, all of a sudden hopped on this train about mentally ill unhoused black men are probably the same people riding that train who pretend they don't even notice these people who keep their heads down and they keep their, you know, face in their phone and they hope that if they just pretend they don't notice them, then nothing's going to happen to them. Yeah. Um, it's just like it, it's it's just kind of like everything else in this country in terms of like these social issues where it just seems too it seems so fake right and and the funny thing is it was like a topic that became like a, a, a you know the new buzz for people to get their social credit points you know on on their their twitter echo chambers and everything but i don't know if you remember a couple years ago um maybe like 2018 kind of 19 time like there there were dudes who tried to bring light to these kinds of issues like homeless men and um, men addicted to drugs and 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 all these other things i remember those people being ridiculed and essentially spit and pissed on and they were like well you guys are just like far right male rights activists you know anytime you mention anything about like issues that predominantly affected men these people were on you like hawks on mice they were like they were so angry that you even how dare you in like you know 2018 19 even bring up an issue that you know predominantly affects men especially white men right mm -hmm. these people were so up in arms 
And so to see them do a complete 180, and now they're just so concerned about the unhoused men of this country, it's just, I just, you know, New York failed for sure. Like the city and the state failed and, and they fail in many things. But at the same time, I don't think people realize like how much change they can affect just based on their own individual actions. And, you know, these people aren't going to donate to organizations that, that do anything. The majority of these people aren't going to donate. The majority of these people aren't going to go volunteer now. Uh, they've already forgotten about it. Most of these people that were all, all up in arms, they've forgotten about this shit. They moved on. They moved on. And that's the thing that I think probably bothered me the most was not necessarily the legal shit behind it as much as it was the social response. Because uh, it's just like everything else, it just seems fake. You know, I don't know. That's just kind yeah. of no. That's that's typically how it goes, man. Everybody talks about this like major homeless issue that that most of our biggest cities are having across the country, right? And people want to say, well, you know, we need to do something to help them, right? We need to offer up solutions and blah blah blah. Right. And it's like you offer a potential solution. It's like you know, you get called whatever you know you're a racist or you're a piece of shit or you're a bigot or like whatever it's like okay well why don't you offer me a solution what should we do and then they'll say well you know we we need to have that discussion it's like okay well yeah let's have that discussion like right right now (laughs) right (laughs) that's what i'm trying to do here um right right yeah and and that's 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 hard to do this man yeah, no, you bring up a good point, man. It's just, it comes down to like, are, are we just complaining? Like, are we just like crying to cry about stuff? Um, like what, like who, who, who's offering a solution, you know? And like, and like I said, like you can do stuff in, in your city, in, in your town, like you, you can, you can volunteer, but realistically speaking, like you personally, what do you think, what, what, what percentage of these people who were all loud about this on social media, what percentage of them do you think actually ended up going out and like, volunteering just a couple hours of their time for an organization even something as as, as simple as like volunteering at a soup kitchen how many of these people who are like ready to like burn new york city to the ground do you think have ever done anything for like anything they claim to care about yeah i mean no more than five percent and even then i think that's probably generous that's generous that's wildly generous you know even then like so i just you know i don't don't know man i uh, (laughs) One of what? one of my best friends lives in Portland, right? Um, he just like moved he moved up there a few years ago, and he like always tells us about you know the homeless issue in the city, which is like it's obviously a big issue, right? There's like this massive like homeless camp, like literally right across the street from them. Like these guys, like they're bringing stolen cars all the time, and they're just like huh. doing drugs outside and like re- doing whatever they want. Um. And we were like all talking about it one night, right? Because we had like all our friends together, and uh, one of this one of these dudes in our group, he came in, and he lives in Canada. And my buddy who lives in Portland was talking about like the homeless issue, and you know, like what could be done, pretty much, because a lot of these people, like they just have their tents like set up on like the sidewalks, like literally take up the entire sidewalk to where like if you want to walk down the street, like you have to walk in the middle of the street. Right. And there's thousands upon thousands of homeless people in Portland, especially. And this guy in Canada was like offering his, uh, his two cents. Right. And like, Oh, you know, I don't think it's that big of an issue, blah, 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 or whatever. And we're like, okay, well, like how many homeless people like do you have? I can't remember where in Canada he lives, but it's like, how bad is the issue there? He's like, Oh, it's not bad. You know, I see one or two or something like that it's really not that much of an issue and then my buddy's like okay well these tents like literally take up entire sidewalks these people like defecate in the middle of the street they shoot up drugs in the middle of the street like violence is at like astronomic levels um and i guess the city of portland basically proposed setting up like camps for lack of a better word and like multiple areas through the city where basically you'd like usher the people into these like designated spots right and that way you could kind of like clean up at least like clean up the streets right and the sidewalks and everything like that and this guy in canada is like 
Oh, so you just want to put him in ghettos? Like, concentration. <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about, man? Oh, and, and that's that's what I'm saying, dude. It's like you offer a solution. It's like, well, no, you can't do that because uh, then you'd be like the Nazis. Okay, well, what should we do then? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, the there's, you know, you you have to like some sometimes you can't have an effective solution that's the nicest looking and, and most aesthetically pleasing solution. And I, I think people really need to kind of like grow the fuck up and realize that because there's a lot of like soft language going around where just like you're saying like, oh, well, we, we, we need to like have something that, that still maintains a level of respect for them and, and blah, blah, blah. Man, there's like dudes shitting in the street with like you know hypodermic needles laying around, uh, and people are violent. Like that, that is something that you can't overcorrect the issue. Like, is is every homeless person violent? No. Is should we just automatically assume that because they're homeless they're violent? No. You know, like we obviously don't crush stereotypes, but at the same time, there is a little truth to every stereotype, is it not? Like, no matter whether it's good, bad, or ugly, there's always a little truth to the stereotype, and that is that there is levels of violence in this particular community. Now, are we saying that they're inherently evil because they are homeless and they commit an act of violence? Like, absolutely not. We're... we're grown adults we understand that there's there's layers to this and, and it's a complex issue but that doesn't mean that you go just like completely softball on the issue and you know essentially do what you're saying which is like well we we, we just need to like worry about like the, you know their feelings and like how the issues presented and all the optics right these people are big on they're super big on optics and like how things look. And that usually lends to like there being no results. Um, I, I, yeah, you know, I don't know. Like offer me a solution. Like you said, offer me a solution. I, 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 I don't know what, to, you know, you can, you can throw money at this issue all day long. It's still not going to fix it. Yeah, yeah, well, that's an issue, man, is so much money is thrown at it, and the issue continues to get worse and worse every year. I mean, no pro no progress is made because no solutions are actually offered up. Yeah, because, again, like you said, you, 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 offer, you try to come up with solutions that, again, may not be as aesthetically pleasing, but it, it may at least be somewhat effective, and, and people just go, well, no, now we're, now we're looking at these people like they're animals, and now we're... We're taking away their rights, and now we're doing this, and we're doing that, and we're doing – okay, if you don't like it this way, then you tell me. The burden is now – the burden of responsibility is now on you to tell me how we're going to fix this problem, and there better be results, and this better be effective because if you're saying we can't do it this way, then you need to be the one to come up with that solution. Just saying, like, just combating a narrative and being like, well, well we just can't do this. Okay, then you have to explain why, and then you have to be the one to come up with a better solution. Yeah, especially um, especially if you're making over six figures a year, right? Which a lot of the, the oh, directors yeah. and, and higher level staff of these programs are making, these people make bank. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and the, that kind of goes to show exactly what I just said, which is you can't just throw money in the issue, man. I'm sorry, but a lot of NGOs out there are money pits, man. There's money pits, even some nonprofits. Our money pits, um, you know, the like the 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 people in the trenches, man. They're the poorest people. Like the people that are truly putting their heart and soul, and and fixing stuff like this. Like they're broke. Okay, so if you if you if you're talking to some sort of like nonprofit director, and they're out here having like fine dining, dog. I'm telling you right now, I would love to see their books, um, because a lot of these people, a lot of these things are money pits, and I know people aren't gonna like that, but that's how it is. And, and, you know, I challenge people to go to LA, go to, you know, San Francisco, go to New York city. Like this is no joke. San Diego, even like San, the San Diego, I saw, um, you know, year like years and years ago, like completely, it wasn't even that long ago. It's completely different now completely different now 
like places places I went to just like on a Saturday Sunday stroll, I would not go to now. Um, yeah, I've heard San Diego's gotten pretty bad. Wild. I mean, San Francisco, wild. like you brought that up. San Francisco is obviously gotten bad too. I mean, I live like an hour away from there, right? And the the homeless issue really goes hand in hand with the fentanyl issue in that city. Um, that has gotten so bad that Governor Newsom deployed the National Guard to help fight it like a month ago. That's how bad the issue has gotten in San Francisco because it went unchecked. Yeah, and even that, I mean, even that with with Newsom's deployment, you know, it was a total of like 20, 20 25, I think, like the guardsmen, and they were, even even they were um, made like predominantly intelligence. You know, they were working with, with like border patrol and everything in an intelligence manner and even that just, just that small contingent working of, of kind of a rear echelon job even that caught so much flack man people were like no you now you're now you're militarizing a solution and this is fascism and you're you're making these community i mean it's like okay then you come up with a solution man like what do you it's just bitching. Like you're, you're all you're doing is bitching, but you're not coming up with any ideas or solutions that are actually gonna actually gonna be effective. And anyone, any, anyone, anytime anyone tries, you just go, oh, the states get involved. Oh, it's fascism. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Oh, we don't need cops. We don't need military. Okay, then then fix your community on yourself. Fix your community on your own. I don't know what you want from people. You know, like you just like these people just want like pop up tents where people can come and just like shoot up and then. And then what? They just go back to their tent in the middle of the road and shit themselves again. And I don't, I don't mean that. I don't mean that in like a disrespectful manner. Truly, I, I feel for a lot of these people who are addicted to drugs. Like that sucks. I feel for these people that are mentally ill. They deserve help. But that, that, that's essentially what you're saying is like, well, we should just enable their behavior. Okay, but that's not going to get them out of the position they're in. Number one and number two, it's not going to fix the, the, the other break off problems. You know. Yeah, we need to do something that respects your dignity. And it's like, okay, great. Do you think you're respecting their dignity by allowing them to just shoot up heroin in the street? Yeah, is, no. is that respecting somebody's dignity? Right. Right. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Well, we kind of went off um, a little bit, but. Yeah, that's how we do things. Yeah, that's right. how we do things. Um, uh, yeah, I guess last uh last thing uh penny is going to be in court next on july 17th it looks like unless that gets changed if convicted he faces five to 15 years in prison and will pretty much just be standing by until any updates come out yeah yeah and someone someone picked up his case i think i yeah, it's uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he, I think he actually ran against Alvin Bragg for DA. He was a Republican candidate in the most recent okay. election. Yeah, and wasn't there? Uh, let me let me look this up real quick, actually. But I want to say, I'm like looking this up while we're because I want to make sure. Yeah, so I think this company gives Sand to go created a legal defense fund for daniel penny yeah, yeah. so i don't i don't yep. think the company itself created the the fund but give send go is is kind of like um it's similar to gofundme from from what i understand so i think his legal team actually created the fund on give send go and people have been donating to that gotcha um is this because there's I feel for some reason there's something in my head that was telling me like a similar one of I guess one of the people backing him or one of the organizations backing him was also backing Rittenhouse back in uh back during all that uh fun stuff. I don't know Poss though. Possibly. Or maybe maybe yeah. Rittenhouse used Gibson Go, that may be it. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's something like there's some sort of weird affiliation. That was another fun one we can get into written house. Yeah, that was that was an interesting one too. And that kind of like leads me to the point of why we're doing this is it's gotten so much national attention that I'm sure many of you guys have questions as to what's going on 
you know, different, obviously different media outlets uh, put their spin on it, right, based on where they fall ideologically. Um, and I guarantee a lot of our followers and listeners just like don't even look at the news the traditional news at all just because it's such a cluster right so since this has gotten so much attention nationwide we basically wanted to do this to just give you guys all the relevant information of what's going on and where things stand right yeah that's about it for now like you said is uh court date is like july july 17th right so Mm -hmm. we'll see uh we'll see if there's We'll see how many Marines in New York City show up to support. Um, we'll see, you know, if there's like a protest, if there's a counter protest, there probably will be. It's just this is going to turn into a. This is going to this 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 is the new Rittenhouse, actually. You know that thing about it. Um, yeah, this this is going to be like the new national case. I I fully expect the trial to be televised. Um, I mean, yeah. this thing is going to be in all the like widespread national media really until the trial's over uh i mean maybe even after depending on how the trial goes right oh yeah oh yeah so who knows i mean we'll just have to see how it goes ladies and gentlemen yeah yeah i think that's pretty much all we have for you guys um again we'll we'll keep you up to date as the case progresses pretty much. Uh, I don't expect anything before July 17th. And even then, uh, I don't, I don't actually know what's going to happen on July 17th because there's no way the trial is starting that soon. So it may even be longer than that before you get a guy, a, excuse me, update out to you guys, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, you know, criminally, criminally negligent, uh, homicide. Like I can't really, I'm sure this is going to piss a lot of people off, but I can't really argue with that. You know, like at the end of the day, he did kill Neely. I obviously wasn't intentional, but someone. Yeah, I mean, the, the medical examiner's office confirmed that uh, the manner of death was homicide and that Neely died from compression of neck, otherwise known as a chokehold, in the words of this uh, medical examiner's office. Right. So the, the question is does penny is he going to be punished for it pretty much yeah yeah i mean we'll see but you're right this is going to be the new this is the new thing this this will this will be the the new written house um you know it's another another fun one was um perry was it Daniel Perry? Oh, that was the one in Texas, right? Yeah, the one in the yeah. one in Texas where that was that was wild too. Honestly, that guy, if he hadn't have posted like the things he posted online and said the things he said like in the text messages, he probably would have like got off. I think that shit fucked him. Yeah, probably, man. Probably. Um you got to watch what you say, even if you're like texting your friend, because yeah, your phone records could be subpoenaed. Yeah, so I we don't we don't have to get like deep into this, but guys, we're, we were talking about is um, pretty sure his name is Daniel Perry, but he was he was an active duty army soldier at the time, and it was Austin, Texas, right? Uh, yes, yeah, it was, and uh, you know the. BLM protests were going on. This was 2020. And there was a gentleman. Damn, what is his name? I know he's a he was a ginger fellow. Um uh yeah, I can't I can't remember his name either. But long story short, he was Ubering for work and uh, Garrett Foster is the guy, the other guy, Garrett Foster. And so he was Ubering for work and he came across, he came across a protest, uh, kind of got stuck behind the crowd. He honked, he was taking a left turn. He was like honking so that they dispersed. Uh, unfortunately, you know, when he honked, uh, he, 
I guess I guess that agitated the protesters. They all turned very quickly, began surrounding his car, and there is a a individual by the name of Garrett Foster, who's an Air Force vet actually, and he was armed. At, yeah, yeah, he was an Air Force vet armed at the protest with an AK forty seven, if I remember correctly, and. You know, the two stories vary, but uh, D- Daniel Perry's version was that he raised the weapon towards Perry, who was in the vehicle, um, and Perry drew his weapon and shot Garrett Foster. Garrett Foster died. The uh, protesters say that Garrett Foster did not raise his weapon, so there's that kind of confusion. And there's only there's only, like, one video where you can, like, it's very grainy, and you can you can kind of see like Garrett does something with his arms. Like you you can see movement, but what he was doing, like what that movement is, is very, it's it's not good video really to say one thing or the other. But yeah, I think I think the general consensus was he he kind of walked towards Perry with his rifle at the low ready, which I mean for yeah. those of you like I'm sure most of our listeners know what that is, but for those that right. don't, your your rifle is kind of raised. You're not pointing it at somebody. It, it's kind of like the midpoint between like pointing it at like, you know what, like chest level and pointing it at the ground pretty much, the low ready. So I think that's like the general consensus. And then, you know, I guess Perry like construed it as the rifle being raised at him and all the protesters say that the rifle wasn't raised right so yeah, yeah differing, so, differing opinions for sure yeah i mean it's you know a sticky situation you know i mean some people were like you know why didn't you just drive off it's like what into the fucking crowd of people like immediately in front of them um you know i i, I don't know but the, the point is uh the point is i think what did him in was when they went back and pulled his like social media um post and also like you mentioned his phone records and he he was vehemently kind of in opposition with the protest but not just like oh i i think this is bullshit i mean he made comments like uh, i may have to like shoot my way into work today or you know like things like that and that essentially like made the grounds for them to argue that this was premeditated um that he wanted to get himself into a position where he would have to do it there's a legal term for it but it's essentially where you know right now like if you live if you live in a state where you can you have like standard ground castle doctrine you know you may be legally allowed to discharge a weapon and kill someone in in self-defense right but when it becomes illegal is when you let's say like you're just walking down like a black neighborhood and you start yelling the n-word at everybody and everything and people those people uh, you know rightfully so are going to start like running at you like hey would you say you know and so like you intentionally create an environment in which your life may be threatened and then use that force um and i think that's kind of what they were arguing was like hey like he already had this anger towards this movement he'd already kind of made these comments that were threatening in, in some sort of manner. And then he was there, you know, so I don't know, you know, some, something to think about. Um, I'm not really saying one thing or the other on it, but that's, you know, that's one of the other fun ones we've had. Yeah. And here's a little bit of, little bit of advice from somebody who is not a lawyer, but is, uh, you know, maybe, wise enough to know that you should be careful what you say uh even if you're like joking with your friends and like an instagram message like oh i might have to shoot my way out like yeah okay whatever like maybe that's better left unsaid yeah yep yeah well, that's pretty much it that's it ladies and gentlemen we've covered a lot of uh inflammatory topics today so hopefully you guys uh, appreciate the episode uh, it was fun for fun for me, definitely, and we'll see, we'll see how the rest of this pans out. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll hit you guys up with another podcast after this sometime soon. All right, guys, appreciate you guys tuning in and uh, tune in for the next one. All right, thanks, everyone.
Okay, everyone, we both really hope you enjoyed that podcast. Any feedback you guys give us is all taken into account. We really appreciate all of it. Also, we appreciate you guys for supporting this podcast. It means a lot to both of us. You could find this podcast on your favorite apps. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, we're there. You could find us on Twitter and Instagram at Analyze Educate. That is all one word. Please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Analyze Educate or at ko-fi at ko-fi.com slash Analyze Educate. Please be sure to leave us a five-star rating on whatever app you use to listen to this podcast. That helps us out as well. And that is all we have for you guys right now. We'll see you around.